Okay, all right. You've landed on Island 49. I'm Weston. With with me this evening is the New Jersey legend himself from the Nothing But Niners crew, Tony. Such a pleasure. I appreciate you taking some time out for me to talk about your favorite subject, my subject. My favorite subject, our San Francisco 49ers. We'll get to our formal introductions in just a moment, but I, I thought this evening was well-timed to address kind of the, let's just call it the state of the franchise as we distance ourselves from free agency. We head into draft time, uh, a lot of chatter across social media about our quarterback scenario, and then maybe even just touch upon um, our overall outlook. But before we get into all the fun stuff, I'm going to quickly play my, my intro and we'll wrap all about it this evening. All right, Tony, first and foremost, man, miss this face. I haven't seen it in a while since we were last in studio a while back. But to my listeners, just a reminder as to what Tony means personally to me. So when Lou and I were starting the We're Talking Football podcast, um, Tony was a huge advocate for us. We, we were recording in a studio at that time. We asked Tony to come in. When I was trying to grow a little bit of a existing or a following on Twitter, Tony was the first to, to rise to the occasion, retweet my plea, get me traction. So this is a man that I will forever be indebted to just because he leads with his heart. And he's doing that again for us this evening by, by joining. So, Tony, miss your brother. I know we chat all the time offline, but I'm glad we can get online a little bit. And I really appreciate you taking some time for me this evening. Definitely, man. Anytime. You know that. Anytime. I know. Trying but... to help people that are trying to get in the game with like 49ers content. You know, it's great. Listen, a lot of people do it. Um, there's a lot to talk about with this team. You know, we're going to touch on some of it tonight. Uh, and again, just thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. Listen, they are the gift that keeps on giving. I even myself, who was just this avid fan from the sideline for so long, once you start to kind of dabble in this game a little bit, you're like, you for real? Are you literally giving me content every single night that I can talk about? Um, it's awesome. But I, I do, again, from the bottom of my heart, man, sincerely appreciate you. Um, and I am so excited just to talk state of the 49ers with you this evening. Mm -hmm. That being said, let me just I'll, I'll formally take us down our first topic. And then wherever we go from there, we go from there. Right. Like, we'll see what happens. Um, that being said. Free agency. I'm, I'm going to ask you to summarize. I'm going to ask you to kind of give me your, your biggest takeaways from it. Um, but I want to lead it with, I was blown away by the Javon Hargrave signing and blown away because I just really didn't expect us to be like heavy hitters by any means and going for somebody who was North of a 50, 60, 70, $80 million contract mm -hmm. all the rest of the signings is where i thought we were going to be playing i just didn't think of we'd have that big splash so let me pass the baton give me your your thoughts on the hargrave signing were you blown away but also you know some of those other role players that we brought in like what's your sentiment walking away from let's just call it walking away from free agency at this point yeah um as far as hargrave the addition of hargrave um 
he first off, he's a phenomenal defensive tackle. We're going to start there. Uh, very talented, very explosive, very strong, excellent pass rusher from the three technique spot. Um, and you know, watching the playoffs, um, actually watching once Hassan Ridgeway went down last year, you saw the defense take a step back when they tried to push Kinlaw in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not knocking Javon Kinlaw the player, but Javon Kinlaw has a serious issue with that knee. If that knee ain't good, he has no push off that leg. And that's why you saw in the game versus in the NFC Championship game, him getting blown off the ball, like, and the running back being untouched into the end zone. And, that, and that's scary because when you think of the 49ers defense, it's always like run, pass, rush, defend the run, pass, rush, like it's stuff like that. And you didn't see it in the second half of this season. So once I saw that pop on a timeline that they signed him, I was like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <But> please. <laughs> just like, you know, uh, when we were at Nothing But Niners, I said, like, you know, the number one fish, I think, is Javon Hargrave. Hargrove. Hargrave, whatever his name is. But um, financially, I just didn't see it. I couldn't see them pulling off a monster deal like that. I thought they were going to be in on, like, maybe um, – oh, God, he signed with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, the big defensive yep. tackle from Minnesota, uh, Matt Iadonis from Carolina, those types of – players and then they jumped out the gun and went right after this guy i was like okay so a couple of days passed and then you hear john lynch talk and john lynch made a statement i'm 99 sure it was john lynch how he approached kyle and john approached jed york saying we want to beef up this defense uh we felt our defensive line took a step back do we have the okay and the approval for the funds to bring in hargrave He's like, absolutely. Whatever you need, whatever you guys want to do to need to do to win, I'm for it. And with that being said, our free agency preview, when we were talking about it on Nothing But Niners, I was kind of saying, like, I have a feeling that this could be like the offseason from 1993 going into 94, where they went out, like, you know, the elevator ride down in Dallas Stadium when the Niners lost an NFC Championship game to the Cowboys. Um, Eddie DeBardo looked over to Carmen Policy and said, this will never happen again. Whatever it takes, we're going to spend it and we're going to bring this, wherever we need to bring in, and we're going to beat this team. And sure shit, they did it. And I kind of got a little resemblance. Uh, I had a little gut feeling that it could be this way, right? You know, just bad luck with the Purdy injury and stuff like that. So it was a great addition to this defense. And I'm super excited because now – that hole that was left by Har- um, Hargrave, um, Ridgeway, Eric Armstead banged up a little bit but came on towards the end of part of the year. The question mark with Kinlaw, losing Ebukam. Now you have a second pass rusher. Yeah. Well, he's from the interior. So you're going to pair Bosa with Hargrave. And now this, the next issue is who's going to play opposite? Um, we'll get into those guys later, but we're talking about Hargrave right now. But as far as the move, I like it. It's going to make this defense even better. And to listen to him talk, saying that he was shocked and honored that the 49ers wanted him, that even says something, too, to me. So it's a great addition, smart structure. I'm just really looking forward to seeing him in the red and gold. Yeah, I'm I'm as thrilled as you are. Um, I I mentioned leading you in, shocked. Uh, I just didn't expect us to be heavy heavy hitters, you know. Yeah. 
you know, I was even shocked when they went Charvarius Ward for big money last year, even though it was a position of need. And, and you and I would agree, like, this team is at its best. Specifically, this defense is at its best when the defensive line is humming and has those rotational pieces. Exactly. And like you mentioned, we'll get into what some of those other additions are and even a sophomore season from an individual that are going to have some heavy expectations on it because it's not as deep. But I think what I love about Hargrave is A, the dude has been, I know he's 30, but he's been durable in his career, yes. right? Like he has not missed a lot of games. And that's, to me, that's a big deal because we need, you mentioned Armstead. He missed a big chunk in the middle of the season last year um, where I think folks got some viable and um, reps in his absence that helped them contribute. But what is often overlooked and only, unless you're talking about Aaron Donald is mm -hmm the significance of an interior pass rush, right? Which like big time. you are collapsing the pocket, right? And then, oh, that guy's just going to step out. And then what is it, a layup for Bosa on the outside? Is it a layup for Drake Jackson on the other side or Cleveland Farrell or whoever it's going to be? Yeah, You know, it, it's, it's, it, it's a big deal. And he's also stout against the run. And again, those are the components of this defense when we're at our best. We're, we're applying pressure to the quarterback. We're stopping the opponent's running game and you're putting them in obvious passing situations where the defense line just pinning their ear back, right? You're telling Bosa like, hey, see that mark that's nine yards behind the quarterback? Just beeline directly there, and he'll be waiting for you. Yep. Um, so I'm excited, but I think there were some other pieces that are just as significant and just as important, and I added the the Cleveland Farrell piece um, yep. strategically because I just feel like, Gosh, doesn't that have Chris Kisurik reclamation project written all over him? Yes, it does. And you can't listen. He was overdrafted the same year that Nick Bosa came out. I remember the draft vividly that uh, we took Bosa at two because Arizona took Murray at one. I forgot who went three. And then Cleveland Farrell was the pick of four by Mike Mayock. Yeah. And I'm going to say this about Cleveland Farrell. I think it is the perfect storm or perfect uh, or not the perfect situation but it was a situation of not using him to his strengths i went back and i rewatched the 49ers versus raiders game on january 1st new year's day and first second down he was a stand-up linebacker dropping in coverage dropping hook to flat coverage in a zone defense with kittle and McCaffrey regularly attacking that zone. That is not what you want your number four overall pick to do. Um, am I saying he's perfect? No. But the key traits that I think are like superior in this situation is he is got a great work ethic, work ethic, high motor, high IQ, and he is like the pristine kid. Like he is well-rounded, well-spoken. He just needs the teaching. And this is a situation where it could be finally matching the skill set to the scheme. Yeah. And we're going to see if it works, um, what they signed him for. I'm not banking on saying he's going to be a 15-sack guy, but it wouldn't shock me to see him come out as the starter in their base defense, yeah. as the big-end opposite of Bosa. Dude, we talk about this all the time, right? Like situations make players, right? They, they, they need to be in the right situation. You can't have these – like you got to find 
a scenario where you're coaching to player strengths and not putting them out of position, what you just defined and what you saw on tape against, you know, against the Raiders, against us. Like, I mean, I don't care who you are, right? Like that's just not an opportune position and you're going to be, you're going to be exposed. I agree with everything that you said about Cleland Farrell, the individual. And I think, and here's the good news about this is because of his past production and what he was available on the market for, even if he gives you nothing, it's not a loss. It's just that one of those low risk, high reward people, a la Arden Key, a la Kerry Hyder, a la where oh, many I, I hate to beat the drum, but like when Kasser gets these their hands on these guys, and guess what, dude? That's what he's gonna be asked to do. Yep. Is to rush the passer. And you know what? Contain the edge. Like those yep. are the we're not gonna drop you back in pass coverage. That's not the way this defense is designed. We got linebackers that can run all over the field. We're Correct. not gonna expose you like that. Just keep the edge and get to the quarterback. And 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 I agree with you. I think I see uh maybe this is the fan of me or the overly optimistic one. Mm-hmm. But if I'm seeing six plus sacks from this guy next year, that's a win. That's a home run for what it you is, signed for two million dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. Take that. Listen, there's guys that get paid a hell of a lot more than that that play the edge position that don't produce anywhere near that. And it, the, the, another factor into this is, like like you said, it, it's low risk, absolutely high reward. Mm-hmm. There's no downside to this. You're not taking a shot on a guy that has character issues. His character is great. It's yeah. just he was put in the wrong situation in a wrong scheme where he could not play the position now what we can talk about is the clemson defensive line because they also added his teammate so now in in that defensive line that he came out that defensive line was stacked like, yeah, they were like, all world whoa like there's no doubt about it so now he went to a situation where he needed to be the guy and now he's in a situation where he could be a guy there's a big difference. The pressure's off his shoulders. Let him come in. Let him learn. And just let him work and, and you know, try to find something. Yeah. And, and you know what? We've seen this movie before. You know what happens at the end of this one-year deal? He goes sign somebody somewhere else, and we get we get flipped a compensatory pick yeah. as the backfill. Like, I mean, right? Like, it feels it like yeah, been seen it for the last four years, I feel like. And the way they work their, their roster with their defensive line, right? They have their, their Bosa. They had their Armstead. Now they added the Hargrove. You have three big pieces there, big dollar yeah. pieces and big physical presences on that defensive line. So now you can take the shot with this guy and say, come on, let's see what you could do. You have the Drake Jackson waiting in the wings. You have small, younger pieces, the T.Y. McGill's the Kevin Givens, who all stepped in and played significant roles and played damn well. Yeah. So where they struggled a little bit last year as taking on larger roles and starter roles due to injury, now they fall back to their original role of having fresh legs coming off the bench, pinning your ears back, and playing. Yep. So now this these moves, plus I also think they're going to add one in the draft, yeah. could significantly make this defensive line a lot more deeper, better, and more dangerous in my opinion. Yeah. Especially if you see a good leap in performance and consistency from Drake Jackson, right? Like if you see, if we don't see a sophomore slump and we see a little bit of like progression, cause he didn't play a lot, right? Like he certainly didn't play a lot. He wasn't asked to do much 
you know, in, in his rookie year because of how deep the line was all the way across. Like you mentioned, mentioned Ibukam and Omenahu and all these other guys that were eating up the reps at that edge opposite Bosa. Mm-hmm. Like he, he got spot play. Yeah. He's going to be asked to play more than spot play this year. So if we can see a, even a little bit of progression from him, I think we're right back in the same conversation of like, is this the best defensive line in the NFL? My and thing I'm, with Drake Jackson is like, you know, he his issue coming out of USC is they kept playing with him. Stand him up, put him down. Stand oh, him everywhere. Yeah. Drop your weight, gain weight. Drop your weight, gain weight. That that you know, then he had to get prepped for the combine. So now he's his body's all over the place. His muscles aren't what they are. They're more just sprinting now and time works exercises and workouts. So with that being said, he clearly hit the wall. But I'm gonna tell you this: his first I want to say he hit the wall after week eight, and he had four and a half sacks going into week eight. Yeah. For a second-round pick, number 61 overall, that's a bright spot. No doubt. But, again, you go from a collegiate bouncing you around, playing 10-11 games to an NFL team where you're going against faster, bigger, stronger guys, it's more demand on your body, and you're playing 20-21 games – it's bound to happen. So I think this offseason is huge for him. I think his workout is he has to come in prepared physically, mentally, in a lot better shape than what he was. And if he could do that, I think he could have the role. I don't know if they're going to throw him out there as a starter. I think they could go with um, Farrell if he shows. I mean, listen, Drake Jackson coming in phenomenal shape and take over that starter spot. Now Farrell's the backup. Yep. We don't know. But you have coverage at that opposite end of Bosa. And depth. That's something what they didn't have. Yeah. I I love that you said 21 games because that means you're playing in the Super Bowl. So I yeah. love when you say, say things like that to me, Tony. Talk dirty to me, buddy. Talk dirty to me. Um, but I agree with you in the sense of like Jackson, like he can still get spot duty as he's maturing as a professional. You know what I mean? Like the, the rigors yeah. of the NFL you know, not that I know and blind up in a, <laughs> an NFL field anytime lately, but the reality is, is bigger, stronger, faster. You are more exhausted in between reps, but that's why I feel like San Francisco is the perfect destination for him to mm-hmm. excel because of how much focus they put on the depth of that defensive line where you're technically not asked to be, especially him early in his career, a three down lineman, right? Bose is the exception because he's, just the exception to everything when you talk about what you expect from an edge rusher. Um, all right. So you, you, we talked about Farrell. You just mentioned before the name Kevin Givens. Mm-hmm. If you think about the people that we've retained in free agency, who is your favorite or who do you think is the most critical piece that we retained as a free agent? On the whole roster? On the whole roster. Oh, God. And you can't say Tabor Pepper because I already said him in another show. I was going to say him. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Gibson then. I'm going to say Gibson. You're solidifying that back end. And I'll go, I'll go into this when I'm done saying it. Gibson, because you're solidifying the secondary. You're returning all four of your starters from last year. Lenore, Ward. Gibson, Hufanga. Um, and that's what you want. You want that continuity. Um, but it could also be said the same for Brendel playing the center spot, returning him. 
that's a whole different topic that we'll get into probably tonight. But if you take notice on how the 49ers uses free agency and their philosophy of building the 90-man roster, whether it's bringing somebody back from their team, taking a Tier 3 free agent, Tier 2 free agent, Tier 1 free agent, they fill all their needs. So once they go into the draft, they could say, okay, we're going into the draft saying if football started tomorrow, we could field 22 starters on both sides of the ball yep. and BP. not have to worry about nothing. We're good. Yep. Not necessarily saying – I'm not saying that they're not going to try to upgrade or add, but if the league – if the game was tomorrow night, the 49ers could trot that team out there and probably win the game with no issue. Yep. God will. Um, so – I love their philosophy in free agency and how they use it to manipulate the roster, fill their 50, their 22 starters, 11 and 11, and then they go and put their little pieces here, there, there, there. That's very crucial, especially when you're going into a draft with no first, no second round pick, but you have three thirds and you have 11 total picks. So if someone starts dropping a little bit and that yeah. fills a, that fills in their eyes a position of need, you package, you go, you get the right tackle. You package, you go, you get the right end. You you have full flexibility with this team right now. So um, I'm going to say Gibson. Also, my second choice will be Brendel. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I I would I actually I would lean Kevin Givens, and I would lean because of the strength. The strength of this 49ers team across the board is their defensive line. And that's a, a veteran piece who understands the philosophy of Chris Kasarik, who understands what just the 49ers defensive mentality is. And I know that's going to change under Wilkes a little bit. Right? It's not going to be a huge deviation from Sala to Ryan's to Wilkes, right? Like, let's not, if it ain't broke, don't fix it is always my mentality, yeah. but you'll put your own wrinkle and your own tweak in it. I love the Gibson because I know Jimmy Ward was just a foregone conclusion as much. And I'm going to ask you a question related to this in, in just a moment. Uh, but if I, you know, I asked the, the question of you, the, the my response to me, my favorite retention piece, if you will, yeah. is, is Givens. Um, <clears throat> I, I think if I'm playing devil's advocate of my own selection here, I would lean towards Gibson because that means I'm returning the majority of like Givens is not necessarily the starter, right? He's a rotational piece there, but I think he's an integral rotational piece. Gibson is clearly the starter. My concern around Gibson, if I'm just being honest here is like, I mean, dude, that was arguably the best year of his professional career last year. Like he was lights out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, Please don't misconstrue this. I'm not trying to compare Deshaun Gibson with Debo Samuel. But what we saw Debo Samuel do in 2021, we knew we weren't going to get that again in 2022. It was almost impossible to replicate what he did in that season. Now you're on the radar. I kind of feel the same way about Deshaun, right? Like is no way he plays the way he played last year. I mean, dude, he balled. And that was... I mean, he wasn't even brought on. He was brought on this team in camp to be a depth piece, and yeah. then he's starting the entire season. And yeah. we're like, okay, Jimmy Ward, you got to move. <laughs> like, what? Like, Jimmy yeah. Ward's, a, in my opinion, Jimmy Ward's a top 10 defensive back in the entire NFL. The guy plays every position, strong safety, free safety, slot. 
he played outside. He's done it all. And we're like, nah, you got to move, guy. <laughs> like, Gibson yeah. is balling. So, yes, I do think he's a big piece. But I, I say that to say, like, hey, 49ers fan, like, you should expect a little bit of drop-off from, from his play because last year was an exceptional year from that individual. And those years are really hard to string together at a position where you're, you know, the defensive backs, you guys are out on an island kind of like we are an island 49 now i'm just being corny there but like you know what i mean like you're exposed for all of national tv to see you well i i think that i'm I'm thinking about it a little different right now because let's talk about the defensive line that he was playing behind last year banged up no consistent pass rush no push up the middle and he still had that season he did you had a healthy armstead you are you had a hargrove a bosa Givens is a death piece. McGill is a death piece. You have Farrell. You have Bryant. You have all these pieces without the draft. You have all these pieces now in front of you. I think the 49ers said, can Gibson be as good as he was and let's sign him at this price or do we have to spend more and lose somewhere else to bring back Ward? And I think that's what it came down to. The investments they put up front, they were able to – go an alternate route. I'm not going to say the cheap route, but an alternate oh. route rather than trying to retain Ward. I think Ward was done in San Francisco. I think he yeah. he closed the door on it. He wanted to go elsewhere. He, he actually filed D'Amico, which is good. Um, so that's the way I look at it. Can this defensive line up front help? I mean, because that's what we're talking about, right? If you look 100%. at the 49ers history, how they build this roster, inside, out. Yep. Offense, defense. And you want to get the best left tackle in NFL history. Well, not history. Currently in the NFL. And Trent Williams. You have Banks, who was drafted two years ago, took over this year. Burford, a fifth-round pick. Then you had um, McGlinchey, who's now gone. You have McKivitz. And then you have Brendel, a guy that nobody, nobody thought he could do. And I was on Let the Benign's. I'm saying, guys, listen. The guy's a veteran. He's been around. He's been around Forrester for a long time. There's something here. No, he's this. They, if they don't get a center, okay. The guy was an alternate as a pro bowler. So he's not the best run blocker. He's good at pass pro. Um, if you're not facing a 34 front, I'm not worried about, like, the run blocking because there's no one head up on you. You just got to seal and yep. get off to the second level. You can work on that. But – it, it, it's just like – and then the defensive line. Bro, you have three players in average year, average salary, 20-plus million on that defensive line. I know. That's and, insane. Yeah, and your offensive line outside of one aforementioned Trent is not costing you a ton. I know Brendel just signed the extension. We got Banks on the rookie contract, Burford on the rookie contract, McKivitz to that – lighter extension that you would say is definitely not starter money at the tackle it's position more of a swing tackle money yeah in the nfl but the reason why i like brendel and i like burford and i like guys like brunskill and all these is because like dude that's what i want from my offensive line the trent williams of the world are really far and few between what i mean by is big time first round picks that in the top 10 that live up to the billing mm-hmm. right like they, they don't come every day, you know, like there's more swings and misses. Like to me, the O-line position is all about grit, dog, nastiness. Who's got the chip on their shoulder? And these guys that are overlooked, that played at small schools, that don't have huge profiles that come mm-hmm. out. Like 
I, I'm spitballing here, but I guarantee if we took the moment to do the research, I'd be right. If we went and looked up every offensive lineman that is in the Professional Football Hall of Fame, I bet you the majority of them, so north of 50% are of the inkling that we're describing. Slept on, late round draft picks mm-hmm. that just have this chip and this dog in this fight. That's what the, the, the position is, a non-diva position. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's roll up your sleeves. We're digging ditches in the trenches. Like, let's go. And I agree with you. Like, I, I love Brendel for that, you know, just because that, that's who he is. And, like, I want, I want those people rewarded. Like, dude, our team is loaded, quote unquote, with superstars, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have them at every single position in a salary cap sport. Like, it's just not possible. Give yeah. me dogs that want to be here, that are grateful to be here, that just fit the mentality of what we're trying to do. And, you know, I think Jake fixed that perfectly, what they're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you're 100% right. I agree. Cool. All right. So we talked about Jimmy Ward. I mentioned Brunskill. What do you think's the one free agent that's departed that we weren't able to retain that's going to leave the 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 most the biggest impact, right? That we're going to miss the most. I think if they were we lost a couple, man. We lost a couple of good players. No, I know. I think if they were unable to sign Gibson back, I think it would be Jimmy Ward. Um I think Emmanuel Mosley. Yeah. I think Emmanuel Mosley's one. Um, people were really – no knock against them. People were really, like, upset that they did not re-sign Jordan Willis. And right – I was now, at the game where he blocked the punt, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I get I it. Like, there's, like – I was I, there in Lambeau. Like, I totally get where they're coming from, but – that's not a make or break it piece. He's not a make or break it. Exactly. And like if you're upset because of a special teams play, I mean, listen, he's great. He's a great special teamer. There's no doubt about it. He's the reason why they went to back to LA. But I'd rather take a shot on a number four overall pick talent-wise and bring it in like a feral than what you you know what you have in Jordan Willis. Yeah. Right. It's not a knock against him. It's not. But, you know, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head. McGlinchey, I'm sorry, isn't worth what he got paid. That's just my opinion. So I'm not going to say that. I, I can't remember who else we lost. Uh, I'm trying to go through it in my head. Aziz, Al Shayer, we lost. Ibukam. Aziz, this great linebacker. I, I, I nailed him coming out as an undrafted free agent. Like, you know, we were on Nothing But Niners on the draft show. We were going over to the as the announcements were coming in for the undrafted free agent signings. I was like, bro, I'm telling you right now, you got a starter right here. No, 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 no. Like, you know, no one heard of this kid. Like, because yep. just because he tore his ACL, everyone went like this to him. If he didn't tear his ACL, he's getting drafted. I'm telling you right now, the kid was that good in college. Um, I don't think they needed to spend the money to bring Aziz back because – what is the NFL? Nickel. You're not going to sit Fred Warner or Greenlaw for Aziz. No. So give the kid an opportunity. Let him go get a starting spot. I'm happy for it. Same thing with Brunskill. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to go through the list in my head. I, I just don't. Oh, Ridgeway, you mentioned earlier. Mosley. Ridgeway. Ridgeway's hurt. 
Mo Hurst is another one. Yeah. Never. Listen, if we're going to cry about a, an edge guy that's gone, it's not going to be Jordan Willis for me. It'd be Omenahu for me, even over Ibukam, right? Like I, I thought Omenahu soared. The piece for me, this is part fan, part just understanding the player. So my wife doesn't allow me to follow college football as avidly as I follow the prof- professional football, i.e. meaning like, hey, you got to make a choice, dude. One day on the weekend, like it's family time, right? And she's totally right. So I choose Sundays all the time. But I'm a, I'm a Vols fan. I grew up during the Peyton Manning era, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's my team. So people like Jawan Jennings, E-Man, like I did watch their college games. And the fan in me hates losing somebody like E-Man with, you know, just the undrafted status and how he came on and how highly productive he was. He was very productive when he was on the field. I know he's coming off an ACL. So the fan in me is going to miss Mosley, but the not the, I want to say the, the, the knowledgeable football guy in me is also going to miss Mosley because he, when he is healthy, dude, he is a very, very good and very, very competent cornerback. And to see him walk away for six and a half million dollars is like, mm, yeah, could we have done? I think we could have found a way, <laughs> you know what I mean? To to bring it back. So I have a little it, frustration. My thing there. is, like, we've seen his production within a solid scheme, within a D'Amico Ryan scheme. Would his, will his production be the same under a Wilkes scheme? Right? Don't know. I mean, yeah, don't know. That's the thing we don't know. Maybe Wilkes said, "Listen, I could take Ambry Thomas and give you similar production for a quarter of the price." Yeah, these talks like this go on in in their, their oh yeah, no their doubt meetings and stuff it, like that. And when you have, like you just said, a loaded roster with big contracts, you can't retain everybody. Everyone, nope. So, right. someone's gonna go. I know. Right, you and, know, and, and like just one point, you know, we started talking off about the free agent edition of Hargrove, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why did we go out and sign Hargrove? Because there was no pass rush, the defense was weak up the middle. Looking at the contracts that Ebukam and 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 um, um, Omeni who received on the free agent market, it's not a knock against them. But as a 49er fan and as a 49er front office, you see those numbers. We want better. Why would I spend money to bring that back to stay where we are? Every year you want to go up in production. So they they invested in in Drake Jackson. And if you watch their draft history, they draft the player this year. They sit him and prep him this year. This year he better be ready to hit the field. And that's the way it is. And that's why I think the 49ers take two offensive tackles this year similar to what seattle did because i think one's going to be competing for a starting job on the right maybe and then you need someone to start grooming behind trent williams because i got news for you if the 49ers win the super bowl this year i think potentially trent williams is done go out on on top as a winner you need that piece there there's no reason for him to stick around beyond that he's going to canton now he's got the super bowl and he walked out at the the pinnacle of the game. One of the things that I, I love that you talked about is the draft now play later mantra. Mm-hmm. This is a luxury spot to be in for an NFL team. Most teams look around the league. Don't have that. Like we draft you now. You need to play now. <laughs> and if you don't 
peak in two to three seasons. Sorry, we need to move on when the new coaching staff moves on. They've established this cadence or this this rhythm of like almost like red shirt years. We were talking about the D-line. Kalia Davis, right, is another name that they were able to red shirt last year that everybody's high on. Another piece. We don't know anything about them yet, right? We haven't seen any professional tape. Saw some practice clips. Like we'll see what, what the, the guy brings to the table. But this is this is what happens when your team is played in three of the last four NFC championship games. Your depth is coveted as starters by other teams who are looking to go. And I think you hit the nail right on the head, right? Omenahu, Ibukam, you're getting $21 million type contracts. Like, you know, for us, you better be a 10-sack guy if, if that's going to be the case. If you're not, like, we, we can – we feel not that we can, but we feel confident. And when I say we, right, the coaching staff feels that I can replace that production and I can probably do it younger and cheaper where I can get it for the next two or three years before I even have to make a decision related to that. So I just, I'm going to miss Mosley. I agree with you. McGlinchey is definitely not, but this is the free agent market, right? Like this Absolutely. is what it is. And people always get overpaid. I'm not mad at him. No, not even a little bit. I say this all the time. Go get like your window to earn is really short in the NFL. The shelf life is three years for an average NFL player. Like go get paid. Like I know it's an absurd amount of money, but like whatever, you know what I mean? Like go get paid. I totally get it. You know, the, the, the 15, 16, 17 year old Weston doesn't exist anymore where I'm like, why can't these players just stay on my team forever? Like now you see the business side as an adult, as we run our own lives with our own children and families and understand the decisions like we need to to make but like i want to i just want to say this about mcglinchy this man got destroyed on social media every single weekend but he's not as don't let social he's not as bad as social media wants to tell you it's really easy dude i could go find i could go find plays where bosa gets blown out right off the line right like it happens to the best of the best and i'm not saying mike mcglinchy plays at any level even near Nick Bosa. I'm just saying, like, do I think he's worth his contract? No. You know, was he the worst right tackle in the NFL the way that social, the 49er social media want to por- want to portray him? No. Otherwise, he wouldn't have even got that exactly. type of contract that he just signed, you know? Um, so, you know, I hope he plays well. You want to know why I hope he plays well? Because I don't have to see him. It's in the AFC West. We don't even carry the AFC West this year. That was last year. Like, I don't even have to worry about it. I could just sit on the sideline and watch other teams tweet ridiculous <laughs> gifts of that man getting thrown around or whatever it is, oh, you know? God. <laughs> That's great. Is there a player out there that, that might still be out there or that got signed by another team that is not of, like, the upper echelon that you were hoping they would be in on? Um. I would like to add, personally, I would like to add that third down edge guy. Yeah. That's what I would like. I, I'm not going to say I would go to the right tackle market because there really isn't any. Um, there's really not. Like, there's really just not anybody that excites you, you know? And I'm glad they didn't jump out and panic and just sign somebody. I think that was the Colt McKivitt signing that they would say, like, you know, we addressed the right tackle spot, like I said earlier. Um, the only guy I thought about maybe Isaiah Wynn, but his issue is he just can't stay healthy. That's yeah, another, man. you know, not a knock against him. I don't know what it is, but you know, 
some people just can't stay healthy. And, you know, they did the smart route. They brought back McKivitz. And it, the funny thing is McKivitz was cut like two years ago. Wasn't yeah. even on the roster. They brought him back, and they started him in a game, like due to injuries. Like It was amazing. But he's back now. I, I think right now he's penciled in as the starting right tackle. But I think some things might be changing due to another free agent signing that they made. Yeah, you like that kid what uh, that they brought in, huh? The, Feliciano. The What's that? Feliciano. You think Feliciano will push out, push outside? No, I think he might push Burford outside. Okay. I'm not this, saying this is why I bring you on. You I'm think not, outside the box, Tony? I love it, dude. Got to look at this, right? And it falls into the what I said earlier. This team drafts for the year ahead. Like, they draft for this year for next year. And I guess when they sat down and said, like, we want our best five on the field, Burford was one of the best five that was there. Yeah. So what did they do? They kept him on the same side but just made him a guard. And he was a reps. tackle. He was a right tackle, left tackle in college. And when they announced him, they announced him as a tackle. So that tells me that the mindset is potentially there. And once they signed Feliciano, and I was like, you know, okay. At first I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a great addition. You know, now we have the McGlinchey, the Brunskill, who could back up both guards and center. And then we're going to draft somebody, and McKivitz could be the swing tackle and battle that with Zakel and Poe. And then they round up the, you know, their top eight. And then I'm sitting there saying, well, what happens if they choose to go another direction and they go safety or they go defensive end and the tackle that they want is not there high, like in the third round? They take a guy later in the draft. Well, now you have another option in Burford. And when you just announced two weeks ago that you just signed a right guard and gave him 295 guaranteed, that tells me something. Yeah. That they're, they're 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 hedging their bets with their offensive line, where if this don't work, we could always put him there and slide Burford out, or the rookie we draft, we keep him at right guard, put the rookie at right tackle or McKivitz at right tackle, and now we have a solid piece backing up the three interior spots. This goes back to what you were just saying before about if the season was to start to tomorrow, they can line up twenty two players. Yeah, right. And they don't have to be 100% right about those 22 players. There's a plug-and-play opportunity. Do I think Colton McKinney – personally, I believe that if training camp was tomorrow, I think he gets the first-team reps. Let's see how it goes, right? And then they start to to slide. I mean, you mentioned, hey, he was like cut at one point. He was kind of the swing tackle. But I can't help but shake that week 17 – or excuse me, week – 18 Rams game play or get in where Trent could not play. Right. And he was in at left tackle against a Super Bowl caliber defense that the Rams had and played pretty well, played pretty darn well in that game when he was thrown into that, that time. Weston, the screwed up thing about him, he plays better on the left side than he does the right. I know some strange reason. I don't know what the hell it is with him. He plays better on the left. I don't know why. I honestly think that this is just like me, you know, I got the the Kyle sideline gear on, so I'm thinking like Kyle right now. 
I think in his ideal world, McKivitz plays in to, to be the starting right tackle, gets for the first season ever, like serious repetition, serious playing time, and then slide left. And then, like you said, the pieces are still already on the roster to support that. Let's not forget, like, Trent doesn't go a full season. You know what I mean? Like, he's still is going to – like, you can almost chalk it up. He's going to miss with that ankle. That's always that that high ankle, right? He's going to miss two or three games, and that's fine. Like, and that's what you're going to find out what you really have on the team. But that are, – are you feeling let – me, let me ask you. That's kind of how I wanted to look at free agency. So, uh, you know what? Let me – summarize walking out of free agency forget the draft forget anything else like just walking out of those first few weeks of free agency with the additions and the subtractions that you saw what's your sentiment around the team how do you feel with them i like it i think they upgraded the defense um <clears throat> jimmy ward's a good player i really like what isaiah Oliver offers now in the secondary who could play inside, outside, solid piece, more bigger physical corner than your typical K1 Williams. I even think he's bigger than Jimmy Ward. Mm -hmm. Like I think he's like 6'1", 210, long arms, tackles. Like, And for them to jump out on day two and grab this kid, coming from Atlanta, where Steve Wilkes faced that team twice a year, says something to me. Like, you know, he had his eye on this kid. I was big on him coming out in the 2019 draft. Remember the 2018 they drafted Witherspoon? Yep. I will. I like Oliver better than Witherspoon. Mike from the Niners, he liked Witherspoon better than Oliver. Um, you know, both good players. I mean, I like Oliver better. I like he, he's more like physical, physical. Just, player, you know, but this is to me. He's in the same realm as Cleveland Farrell. Yes, a, a guy who was drafted based on upside talent, right? Like a second round pick is like your expectations around a second round pick for most of the the NFL is that you are you're start like you're playing like you're getting viable reps unless you're drafted to in the latter second round or the latter first round on a team that has you know their starters intact and you're and you're a depth piece. So another one based on the contract, like low risk. High reward potentially. Like, does this guy even play himself into the field and has versatility and can kind of play all over the defense of the backfield? Um, I don't want this to sound homer. I feel like we're I feel like we stayed we stayed neutral, right? I'm not gonna say we're up, I'm not gonna say we're down, but when you're when you've played in three of the four last NFC championships, to say that like, yo, we're at status quo, that's the equivalent of saying we're on we we got better. Because usually you see these teams, right, just drop off. You can't keep everyone. It's just the way that it goes. But they have found ways. Like, they didn't lose a superstar, right? No. They didn't lose any superstars. They lost contributors. But I think in the same vein, they've brought in contributors. And they retain some of their contributors. So, um, you know what? Fuck it. They got a little better because they they brought in Hargrave. That's that's what I, it boils down to. They brought I, in a superstar and they didn't lose listen, any superstars. Simple math. You don't have to say fuck it. It's legit, right? <laughs> anytime, it's anytime, right? Just hear me. Anytime you could keep your offensive line intact, right? Yeah. Minus McGlinchey, but you have McKivitz who's been there. 
So now that's intact. Your offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Your defensive side of the ball. Majority is intact. You go bigger, more physical at the corner, at the slot corner spot. That's a plus. You bring in the best interior pass rusher other than Aaron Donald. Yeah. This team, in my opinion, I think it's a little better. I think it did get better. And what we're not really factoring in right now is because we don't know. We have 11 draft picks still to go. So, I know. you know, I think we're the roster's at 65, so we're going to have to add, what, another 25 to the roster? Yeah. 20, yeah, nine, to get to 90, and then, well, yeah. And then you, then you got your practice squad, too, because you can keep, what, the extra two or three now post-COVID. Well, so – you think they make all eleven picks? I don't know. I think they do, man. I don't honestly. I don't see them sliding. I just don't see them moving. Like I just see them being steadfast and being like, because I I don't know. Like these guys that Kyle likes, I don't think are like all over people's radars, right? Like he likes a very particular, and I don't care. Kyle makes the decisions. Like, let's can we stop this already? That like John Lynch is not making it. He's not pulling the strings over there. Like I I just feel like. Kyle and secretly Peters behind the scenes are the ones who are really pulling the trigger here. And I just think he, I want people that play within my world, within my mentality. And you mentioned, Hey, we got 22 that we could go with right now and we could be fine. So that puts me in BPA world, best player available for where I, where I draft. I, I think they, I think honestly, the more I think about it, I think they make all 11 and I don't know if they, I really don't know if they move. I know we want them to, to go address position of needs but i just don't think they do like like post round one into round two like there's a couple right tackles but like are you really like are you are you gonna move i just don't know if you're gonna move for him because i think other teams are like no we'd love to fucking land that guy early in the third round i don't i don't know man i just that's my gut tells me they're sliding if they're gonna move it's gonna be to the bottom of round two or the top of round three where you see somebody just like falling if there's not a run on positions or if there is a run on positions and you start seeing that we'll say offensive tackle group starting to thin out a little bit yeah they might jump up into higher parts of round three to get somebody i don't i will put money i if they go to round one i i quit all right let's go i'm up in the ante on you right now because i'm going to segue right into the next topic if they go to round one, I quit. I'll never do this stuff. If again. they go to round one, there's only one way it happens. You know that, right? <laughs> and that's number five. It's not on the roster anymore. So let's get into that talk right now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with a question, and then we'll get into the real conversation. Go ahead. <laughs> Trey Lance draft is Trey Lance traded on um, on draft night or before draft night? There's part of me that says yes, and there's part of me that says no. I'm going to stick with the no because of the finances. Yeah, I just – I say no. I say, like, I think it's it's a it's a foolish move. Um, you can't – you can't come out and tell me that you've seen enough to know that you've seen enough based on game film. And you st- and I'll say the same thing. You can't tell me you've seen enough on Brock Purdy. Eight games is a really small sample size when you're surrounded by superstars. I think when I look for the quarterback, like who makes the players better 
around. I'm not saying Trey does. I'm not even saying Brock does. I'll get into what I think is better or not. I just think it'd be foolish to move on from Trey Lance when you have, let's just say, 16 million in change invested in your entire quarterback room for the 2023 season. When you got teams that have quarterbacks in the bottom half of the league that you're paying more than $16 million a year to that quarterback alone, let alone the rest of your quarterback room. It's just a, and, and what do you know about Brock's arm? Or like, I'm, I'm not a fucking orthopedic surgeon or any does UCL surgeries. Like, do you like, you know what I mean? Like, it, like, does he play this year? Like, yeah, everything, everything looks good on paper and he's going to recover. But like, I, I don't know. There's not enough sample size of this. So that's my question to lead in. You and I both seem to be like, probably not. I'm going with a, I'd be upset. And it's not about just like moving on from trade, just like business-wise, it doesn't make sense to me to do it. Cause I don't even think the way that you've treated this guy, you, I, I don't even know if you get a first for him. So like, why are you moving him at that point? My 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 thing is this, right? We spoke about the draft class with the rookies coming out, the rookie, the quarterbacks that year. I think the 49ers screwed up in several spots. Number one, they admitted to trading up to a position for the the for the slot, not a player. I think yeah. that was mistake number one. Mistake number two was not letting him play in year one. I agree. Those are two crucial things. If he don't win this job this year, you're going on three to four years without playing quarterback, without playing football. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about the let's talk about Trey Lance coming out of college. Pro style offense, had control at the line of scrimmage, played under center, um, turned his back to the defense, flipped back and made a throw, could read the defense. Positives. Negative. Oh, positive, no interceptions. Negatives. Lower competition. Uh, speed of the game was slower than the NFL. Ball placement, accuracy. These are these are glaring issues, right? If you're coming from FCS as an inaccurate quarterback, it's a recipe for disaster in the NFL. Granted, Kyle does scheme open players, so it's easier for a player like Trey to transition from that big of a jump. My thing is this. We have yet to see anything in the game. When he started a full game, I wasn't impressed as a thrower. Yeah, he made a couple throws that are like, holy Christ. But the easy ones, he struggled. All right, we could take it to the Texans game. He looked great. Dropped back, flipped his hips, made a nice throw here. Rolled the pocket right, made a throw on the move. Great, perfect. And then he's in the shotgun, takes one, sails one over Kittle's head for an interception. You can't do that. Now, what's the excuse right now? We have no film on him. There's no evaluation. Number one, that's us saying that because they see enough in practice. They watch there's camera crews there at every angle oh, yeah. watching him make throws. They know what they have in Trey Lance. The fans don't because we don't see the practice. So with that being said, <clears throat> I think Trey got put into a raw deal. And it's because they chose not to start him in week one, a uh, year one. You draft a quarterback that high, 
You have an offensive mind like Kyle. You have weapons around him like that. You got to play this kid, and you got to see what he's made of. So issue number two, you have somebody with quadruple the amount of experience of Trey Lance who's been in big stages, big games, uh, played versus big teams, came from behind, went blow for blow with Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. All right. The the attempts and yards passed don't even coincide with what Trey Lance accomplished. And him as a seventh round pick has took this offense to make it the most efficient offense since Kyle Shanahan's been here. So he gets hurt. So now you're right back here again, right? The gift that keeps on giving for us. I'm, gonna say this. <laughs> I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan guy. I'm a huge supporter of him. I back him. I get into arguments with people over him. If they can't come out of this season with a starting quarterback, there's a problem. Is But is the problem Kyle or is the problem just the way the cookie has crumbled in the situation, right? Like this past year, it, it, it was – it was meant to be Trey's team. We were supposed to get everything that we talked about in year one, playing time, tape, progression, et cetera, with no excuse of like we're in win now mode. Like they they advertised this going into the 2022 season that like he's got the keys to the Ferrari. Let's see what's going on here. And then injury happened. And then, hey, look. If Jimmy didn't get hurt, we don't even see Brock Purdy, dude. We have no idea what we even have there. And then we come into this season with it's still Trey's team. The, the, the difference for me is the revelation of what is your Mr. Irrelevant seventh-round draft pick superseding any expectation. Dude, I'm a, I'm a first to admit it. Jimmy goes down in the Miami game on the, what, the, the second drive or the first drive, whatever it was against Miami. I looked at my wife and I was like, Season's over, but I can't wait to see what the rookies got. I just, I just want to see. I just want to know. You know what I mean? Like, let's, you know, because you remember the talk, dude. When Jimmy went down, like, you, you saw it immediately. Like, even after the way Brock played in that game, like Cam Newton's still on the market. This person's still out there, and I was like, no. You know what I mean? Like, just I am a, always a big fan of. Let me see what I have on my roster. And wow, did he impress? I think he impressed is because Kyle didn't have to change the game plan in any capacity between Jimmy and Brock. I think they're limited in the same areas, arm strength, things of that nature. I think where Brock is different is the improvisation, right? He can he's a little bit more elusive. He's a little bit more like a little more pocket awareness even for a, a rookie essentially. And I thought he excelled at the things that Kyle Always hoped Jimmy excelled at. I think the difference between Brock and Trey is Trey based on physical skills, right? Like at pure athletic talent lets Kyle unlock a little bit more of the playbook that he wants to. But what we don't know is, is Trey capable of what Kyle wants to unlock. Like if you want to stay in the offense that Kyle's called for the last few years, 
you know, with, with Jimmy and just keeping everything over the middle and short and, and gadget plays and let the let your playmakers do the work with the ball in their hands, then like Brock's your guy. Like 13 is your guy all day long. He's he's gonna make you really happy. But if you want to get to the next if you want to get to the next level, then he he needs Trey to be the guy. I'm not saying that Trey is. I'm saying that's what he needs to actually come to fruition. And I think the best thing that's ever happened to Trey in this scenario is the Brock injury because he's not back week one. I don't care what anybody says. He is not the starting starting quarterback in week one. So now the question is, is it Trey or is it Sam Darnold? And I think at this point, listen, Kyle's got all the rope in the world, right? Three, you know, a Super Bowl appearance, three NFC championships in the last four years, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is his team for a while if he wants it to be. I believe that. So, like, I, I, I think even trying to play, allowing Sam Darnold to steal viable reps and valuable time away from Trey, if I see that, then I say if we come out of this season without a starting quarterback, then Kyle Shanahan should be worried for his job at this point in time because that, to me, is flawed decision-making, in my opinion. Like, do you do, do yeah. you see a world where Sam Darnold is starting week one? Honestly, do you see a world where that happens? I – it wouldn't shock me. <sighs> see, that's so that slick. And that will tell you a lot of what they think of Trey Lance. Okay, let me put it to you like this. If that is the thought at the thought in the clubhouse right now or in the locker room right now by your leadership saying if they said the same thing you just said, Tony, wouldn't shock me if Sam took the starting job away from trade, then you better fucking trade him before the draft. Don't let it get to that, right? Cuz then no, I, I where's agree. the value? You're lost, right? Like you can't trade that guy for a used car, let alone a first, you know, a second, third, fourth round. Hey, draft hey, think pick. about this, right? I was listening to uh, a podcast while I was working my second job today, and they said, "Why would a twenty-six-year-old quarterback come to sign with San Francisco to be the third quarterback, but his contract has verbiage in it to go from four million to eleven and a half million?" Like that don't raise a flag to you, like you know what I'm saying? Like, it does. You know, I. What do you want to happen, Tony? Like, what do you, ideal scenario for going into 2023? How does this? How does this unfold for you? If he's healthy, uh, Brock, I think this is his team until Trey proves otherwise if he can now the issue is what i would i would do I, brock purdy's not touching that field until he is 150 percent healthy yeah man and if that's the case that's showing you that that's their guy yeah so if you see them put him on the pup list for the first i think four or six weeks T- very telling move now it's up to Trey and Donald. And and like this is this is my biggest argument with people, and they just don't understand it. You have a team that have some aging veterans that have big money coming up and big money in the next couple of years, and their window is wide open right now. Yeah. You built that defensive lineup, 
You have 11 picks in this draft. In, in a very weak conference. In a weak conference. And what I'm trying to say is, this is not the time to say, what do we have in Trey Lance? No. No. You, this is the NFL. You can't afford to just say, all right, if we go three and three in six games, we're good. Even though this team does have a track record of coming from behind, which is good, but you don't want that continuous mentality of saying, all right, we're three and three. Let's make our run now. Because at the end of the year, you're in a must-win situation. 100%. So that's why I I don't know what to think. If Brock's 100% healthy, I think this is Brock's team until proven uh, until proven otherwise. Because you got, I, I understand it's an eight-game span, but you're talking like this offense put up numbers like what we haven't seen since Young, dude. Yeah, the like the 94 team with Mike yeah. Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, man. 30-something points, 40 points, consistently over 20 points, like high 20s. Yeah. Now, yes, it's only a seven-and-a-half game sample, but Trey Lance is a four-game sample, and the offense looked nothing like this. So my thing is if you line them two up, Trey Lance is clearly the more talented quarterback. Stronger arm, bigger, more physical, a little bit faster. But the issue is this. In the NFL, to be a, a long, to have longevity at the quarterback position is you have to have accuracy. Your ball placement has to be consistent. You have to have it here, and you have to have it here. And if this trusts this, no, if this trusts this, you're good. If your arm trusts your eyes and your eyes trust your arm, you're good. Totally. You don't have to have the biggest arm in the league. You don't. My thing, and, and I think the way, obviously, they built this roster, you don't need the Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl. Of course everybody wants Patrick Mahomes. Who, who wouldn't want like that type of big name to have 49er jerseys hanging up in the sports store when you go there of the quarterback? No matter what state you live in, baby. Exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't want that as a 49er fan. But the way they constructed this roster, you're not going to have that right now. Yeah. It's, I, it's simply impossible. It's like you cannot do that. That's why I don't understand. Everyone's like, oh, go for Lamar Jackson. Where are you going to get Lamar Jackson? How are you fitting? Unless Lamar Jackson signs for $10 million this year, he yeah. ain't coming here, bro. Yeah. I mean. And you're going from one inconsistent thrower to another. Yeah. Like, Listen. I, gosh, the my I I so badly want Trey to be able to be that guy we all hoped. I don't know if you remember, but I was literally North Dakota State grabbed a clip of me from Twitter that they put on their hype video around when we drafted Trey. Like, dude, I am I am I am Team Forty Nine er first, but I am a I'm. I'm a big Trey Lance guy. And it's not because of what we gave up for. I don't care about, I honestly don't care about draft capital, dude. Like we've all proven, like you can hit home runs late in rounds and you can swing and miss and look really fucking bad in the early rounds. I'm not worried about what we gave up for him. I just, I see the intangibles and I so badly want him to be 
what we all hoped he was when we drafted him because God, you'd be in a, in a, in a totally different state. So, so that's where like my heart leans. Like I would love to see Trey Brock and give the time the ticket. Word. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be real with you, dude. I don't care if it's Trey Lance, if it's Brock Purdy, if it's Sam Darnold, if it's Lamar Jackson, if it's a 400-year-old Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I literally don't care as long as we're winning football games. And, and by winning football games, like I want six. Tony, you and I were young lads the last time we hosted a Lombardi. And if you look at this screen right now, we ain't young lads no more. Like I want, I I joked with you earlier. My wife's like, I just need 20 more years from you. Well, I'd like to see a fucking Lombardi hosted (laughs) within those 20 years. And this is as close as I feel that we can come based on the way this roster is. And I think that's a detriment, right? Like that. And that's what I think I like, I almost feel for Kyle in this scenario is like the way this roster is built is like, do I even have the time? Like I, I I'm in win mode now. Right. And like and who I'm gives me the best you chances. Can't, you can't risk this season on a question mark and trailer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it, it's not a knock against Trey. And this is from day one. I said this, I was on nothing but Niners. We did the live draft show. I had the board up and everything. When they drafted him, I said right there, they need to start this kid day one. Mm-hmm. Because what year is it? Three. Yeah. And there's still, you're in the same boat you were when you drafted him. You don't know. You don't know. Okay. Scenario for you. Brock's put on the, the pup, or the pip, pup, pup, for four, first four weeks. Right, I think it's four weeks. Like there's this, like a, a lower, lesser window that I think is four weeks. So he could be on the pup for the because Jimmy Ward started the season on the pup that way. So if he's on the pup for four weeks, mm-hmm. let's say the 49ers start three and one, and tra- and let's say twenty five point points ish a game looks relatively competent. I'm not I'm not going out there and saying he's putting up Mahomes esque Burrow esque numbers. Do you yank it from him? When Brock comes back, you have to see the you have to see how how the offense is operating. Is yeah. it efficient? Is it consistently? Is it consistently scoring? Is it not three and outs? Is it not turning the ball over? Yeah. Is the defense saving you? Is the special team yeah. saving you? Who's winning There's the game, offense or defense? To, There's a lot you have to really dig deep and look at and break it down before you make that decision, right? I could say, yeah, sure. You know what? They can go undefeated. Your offense is scoring 21 points a game. Brock Purdy's uh, – uh, Trey Lance is uh, 195, two touchdowns, an interception. But Christian McCaffrey has 13 receptions for 110 yards. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah. You have to look at the full picture. Does this make you nervous? I mean, we just spent – before we got into this topic, talking about how this team got better in the offseason, mm-hmm. made the improvements – but at arguably the most important position in all of professional sports, we have a lot of uncertainty, man. And that's that's a scary proposition. We do have a lot of uncertainty, but there's a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Kyle can get away with masking it. 
which for extended amount of time. And the mask comes in the form of Sam Darnold, right? Like that's the mask. That's essentially well, what it is. I'm saying if he decides to go with Trey Lance, he doesn't he have to is. ask him to do a lot. Exactly. All right. Exactly. He we can stay here all night, dude. You know that. <laughs> he can get topic. him through. He can get him through that stretch, I think. I, I do. But the thing is, like, if he's gonna be inconsistent with his ball placement and accuracy, that it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna bite him. I'm telling you, because you saw what happened with Jimmy, right? Yeah. You had safeties playing inside of 10 yards versus Jimmy and sitting in the middle of the field. Once that happened, Jimmy was done. Oh yeah. No doubt. So, oh, man. honestly, I, I so here's the how I really like based on what I saw and, and the way that I've seen Kyle react since he's been here and since 2017 is if Brock does even if they lose that game against the Eagles even if it's not close right like the final score we predict and Brock played I don't even I, I I think I think in Kyle's eyes Brock did enough to be like. Yep, you're the guy. Now Trey's got to outplay you in training camp, you know? It's that injury that added that little bit of like, yeah. now what do I do? Now what do I do? And 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 if if this team is who we think they are in the sense of like very strategic in terms – like we talked about the way they draft, right? It's not for this year. It's for the following year and the year after. That's the way they built this team. Like – to me, you just can't move on from Trey because you don't know anything about Brock, you know? And look, I can sit here and argue for you all you want that Sam Darnold got a bum rap and played on really poor football teams and, and poorly run organizations. Like, he's not that guy, dude. Like, he's just not. And 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 I don't, Tony, I don't, I don't ever shit on a professional athlete in any sport. I don't because they're the professionals. I'm not. I can't hold a candle to their athletic ability, right? Like they, they win the argument anytime I would want to bring that up, but let's just say that there's a large enough sample size out there on Sam Darnold to say that he's probably not the guy that takes this team to the promised land. It's got to be one of those two. Yes. I, I agree with what you're saying, but there, there, there is a flip to this and I'm not saying Sam Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback in the 49ers, but what I'm telling you is, his best statistical career career year his best statistical career year was his rookie year and he had Jeremy Bates as his offensive coordinator who worked under Mike Shanahan so now he had proven success in this system Kyle's been a fan of him since the process he has talent. I mean, again, I'm not trying to start the Sam yeah. Darnold train, but I think he probably made one of the best throws I ever seen in my life from a quarterback when we played them at MetLife Stadium. He was rolling to the left, and his receiver crossed the hash going to the right, and he put that ball on the dime, throwing away from his body, with his momentum going left and the receiver cutting right. Yeah. Also um, known as the Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas <laughs> ACL <yeah>. game. <laughs> but I'm talking about ball placement. Yep. And like, listen, it's clear as day. If you are a capable quarterback, 
not an all-star, not an all-pro, not a Hall of Famer, not a first – well, he's a first round back, but not a big-name quarterback, and you're capable and you can make those throws, you could have success in this offense. Yeah. And I think in Kyle's head, that's the way he views this. And that's why I don't understand. I do understand. But looking back at it and, and the success that he had with a seventh-round pick and the success that he thinks he might have with bringing in Darnold, a former number three overall flop, that yeah, tells me, pick. you know what I'm saying? Like, why did you go after Lance? Yeah. And for, for all intents and purposes, everything we hear is Lance was Kyle's guy, right? Like that's who, and here's the, the, where the writing on the wall came for me. So I, you know, I want it to be, I want Trey to excel and succeed in this. Of course. When the Sam Darnold free agent move was made versus like a Marcus Mariota or somebody who might on paper have a similar skill set, I was like, this is Kyle Cater in the offense to Brock Purdy. Because Kyle's a play caller first, right? He's a head coach second. He's a play caller first. These guys want to be in rhythm just like players do. It's hard work, man, changing your offense and and planning for different QBs and different – think of how he didn't win coach of the year is mind-boggling to me. He went from designing an offense to Trey Lance to going back to lackluster Jimmy, right, to then a seventh-round rookie, like – there's a lot of changes and tweaks that had to take place, but I think with the Sam Darnold coming in, um, I think the writing's on the wall, man. I, I think it, I think it is on the wall for Trey. I really hope. I hope he's just given a fair shot. I don't want to say given a fair shot. I hope he earns his keep in camp and through OTAs. He better come in working because it'll be taken from him real quick. And and for for everything we know based on what is advertising scene is the kid is a worker, right? Got all the work ethic in the world, high character guy. So we'll see. Um, But listen, we wouldn't, we'd be doing any listener a disservice if we didn't talk about it, because this is the talk of the town right now. Like where the 49ers are at under center last piece here. Cause I'm, I'm mindful of uh, the clock in in the evening. We're both family men. And I know we both got (laughs) things to, to get to. And you just mentioned your second job today. So I know you're tired, Tony. That's why we appreciate you looking forward at the draft. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit. Yeah. 11 picks. I mentioned that I think they do make them all. And I think they, they stay pat who whether they move or not, in your eyes, you're in the you're you're sitting in the room. I'm not asking for player, right? I think the I'd love to have you back and we could talk players as we get a little closer to the draft, right? I'm I'm more about like position. So if you are moving, right? If you are moving in the draft, up, back, tar- targeting some something in order your top three priorities, what might they be position wise? Right tackle, safety, defensive end. In order, I would do right tackle, defensive end, safety. Okay. Now, that's subject to change if there's runs on certain position groups. Awesome. Yeah. Which we see happen every draft, right? Like, oh, shit, I got to go get my guy because there's about to be four of them that come right off the board consecutively. <laughs> I so- am – I'm not going to say that. 
we'll, I'll do another show with you. We'll talk about prospects. You got a player in mind. I know you do. Um, um, I, I, I follow two. you, buddy. I, I, I've seen it out there. I know what's I up. I got two people. I swear to God, if the 49ers can walk away with these two guys. Oh. So my thought is more right tackle. You know what? I, I, I can't say that. In order, edge, because you can never have enough pass rush in this league. Ever. Ever. Edge, tight end, safety, and then I would lump in the right tackle. Because I agree with your sneaky philosophy early that I think they think they have the pieces here already. And if they can steal one or two, which doesn't, to me, make it a priority, but edge – we agree. Can never have enough pass rush in the NFL. Tight end is very deep in his draft. I'm going to say that. And I think it needs to be prioritized because here's the truth. The George Kittle replacement is not on this roster. And I'm not saying George Kittle's leaving this season, next season, but what's the one common theme we see every offseason? When there's a player out there that 49ers fans and media become enamored with, his name always seems to be lumped into a trade. And he's well compensated for the position, which not by chance is an undervalued position in the league because most teams flex out their tight end, right? We use ours like a sixth offensive lineman who does really well. But the other thing I want people to remember, and this is going to sound crazy, and I've been thinking this for a long time, is we know George Kittle is a huge professional wrestling fan we know that right like he's always talked about you saw it he was at wrestlemania or whatever the most i don't followed wrestling since i was 13 years old and it was called the wwf i don't even know what the wwe is hulk hogan was still wrestling the ultimate warrior and texas tornado and legion of doom were running around when i was watching wrestling right um god tony we sound so old right now talking about these guys i'll say one name right now i'll tell you my age junkyard dog bro with the, <laughs> the overalls and the big chain we ain't far off each other bro i promise you that but i don't want like people forget that like football is a game it's a it's a kid sport that these guys get paid but it's an entertainment piece as well And George Kittle is very quickly recognizing and realizing that he can also still be compensated a lot of money to go do something that he could do for the next 15 years of his life. Can't Can't play in the NFL for the next 15 years of his life. Not the brand of football that he plays, right? It's a very physical brand. And I don't say this to be like, he's gone next year, right? It might be two years from now, but the light bulb will go off when he's like, oh, I can make eight, nine million dollars a year just going to be a professional wrestler because that's how big the following is and I can do that forever. Oh, and spend time with my family and grow my family and do all that. Like, this happens. And the and the replacement or even something close to competent as a replacement doesn't exist here. And one thing I've learned about Kyle Shanahan's offense in watching him in every stop along the way is the tight end is valued in his offense. Oh, absolutely. It is highly valued in but his it's offense. It's got to be a guy that could do both both parts of the game. And he that that other person doesn't exist. And that's why I say in this draft because there is depth at the tight end position, go find one that fits your build that doesn't need to play right away, that can learn some of the intricacies, can develop his 
pat run blocking skills, pass blocking skills. Cause let's not forget that George Kittle spent the early part of this year, not being released on routes, <laughs> like period. Right. Like oh, no. he was in protection mode as that six offensive lineman. I know the right tackle is important. And, and I don't even think it's the right tackle. That's important. I think it's the future of your left tackle position. That's important to address along the way, but safety. I talked about Deshaun Gibson, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sold on Hufunga like a lot of people are. He's a liability in the pass game. He is a liability in the pass game. And we saw it at the end of the year. In the beginning of the year, when we were getting pressure, right before the defensive line got decimated with injuries, he was able to gamble. He was able to make plays. We saw pick sixes. We saw those things. But at the end of the year, you know what we saw a lot? We saw at least one busted coverage a week from him that usually resulted in six. And and, he happens early. So they do make their adjustments, though. That's what I do. D'Amico was the best at making defensive halftime adjustments. Better than Salah. Better than any defensive coordinator that I can remember here. No, 100%. You're 100% right. I think – I'm not going to say it. Say it, man. This is Island 9. Island 49, bro. You can say whatever you want on this show. I'm telling you right now. If they can walk out in the first – with their first three picks – if they can get Laporta from Iowa to tight end, yep. If they can get Isaiah McGuire from Missouri and Jamie Robinson from Florida State, oh, dude, if we walk away with Robinson, I'd be a pig and shit, man. I'd be oh, thrilled. Wow. And it's possible. All three of those names are possible, man. I know. It's I know. not like that. That's not. Well, there's the one that I don't think is going to be there. That's not a fool's dream. Well, look, come on. You got to remember now, like, Iowa's become tight end you <laughs> over the years. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, their stock goes up a little bit just because of that. Look at you, and dude. Other, you, are, you are literally fantasizing about those three right now. Oh, God. If they ever landed those, probably I'll shut the fucking – I'll shut the draft off. I won't watch no more. If they can <laughs> land those three guys, I'm done. So – I'm going to lose for the first round of the draft. I'm going to sit at his house. And I don't normally do that. Like, I have to watch everything. 49ers has to be in the comfort of my own home. Like, I, you, you know me. I'm fanatical. I'm dressed to the nines. I make my wife dress to the nines. My kids dress to the nines. Like, football Sunday is an event in our house. It's like Sunday dinner at a, a, a very Italian family. You know what I mean? Like, it is as real as it can get. And I don't do these things. So I finally said to Lou, I was like, bro, I got no stake in the game till the end of the third round. Like I can spend the first night with you. Now watch. That'll be the night. I'll be sitting there like an hour before draft time. We'll be having wings and doing all that, shooting the shit, having a good time. And then you'll see it come across the screen. Trey Lance has been traded, right? And I'm like, I got to go home. (laughs) I can't be here while this is happening. But I I agree. I mean, there's there's a couple names and I'd love to – I don't know, man. Maybe we do show me, you, Lou. We talk about the teams like we've done last time. We talk about some of the players. We spend a little bit more time, 49ers, um, and what what they're looking at. But like there, there are a couple a couple household names that have already been labeled and pegged in that rounds three to five. That if we could land that, dude, this is the part of the draft we actually do well in. That's what yeah. where we're all drafting is actually where mm-hmm. I believe in their ability. When we draft in the first and second rounds, I get Peter. really nervous. <laughs> this is all Adam Peters and scouts. Yeah, man. This is what they get John paid Lynch to and do. Kyle Shanahan in the first two second rounds. This is where John uh, John Lynch, Adam Peters, and um, 
all his scouts, Tariq Ahmad and all those guys, this is where they they put it together. I'm excited, man. Just the, the prospect of having 11, because, you know, not all 11 are making this team, and that's why I feel like they can just go find the best fits for what they do. You know, I, yeah. I think people sometimes have a disillusion. I think the, the general managers and the coaches that I see lose their jobs really quickly and their teams are in to- turmoil are the ones that draft by pos- by need, right? They only draft based off position. Hey, we need a right tackle and we pick five overall. I'm going to take a right tackle. I know I'm exaggerating there, but where I'm envious of like the 49ers position, they don't have to do that. Like they could literally just draft BPA all the way through. And if one or two of them pan out, nobody questions a goddamn thing. Nobody, because it's like you, you just found a, a, a sixth round starter. Mr. Irrelevant could potentially be your quarterback that takes you to a Super Bowl, right? Like Trey Lance, I mean, excuse me, Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl last year for the San Francisco 49ers. Nobody even cares what you gave up for Trey Lance at all. Like it's a, it, okay, that's what we had to sacrifice to end up getting this guy. Sounds like a win to me. You know what I mean? Like, Honestly, in their mindset, I think they don't care what they gave up for Trey Lance either. They got Brock Purdy. I think, they, honestly, they think like that. And you got to res- – there's, there's a part of – like, look, he t- Kyle, I know you're a big fan of Kyle. I'm a huge fan of Kyle. If you were to fire Kyle today, he'd be literally signed as a head coach of a team before he got to his car in the parking lot. Like, Absolutely. he's that fucking skilled at what he does. They don't and, see this. And all they do is blame him and the way you want to run him out. And he sucks. He's this. Guys, I promise you. Yeah. I promise you. I promise you, the only guy that wouldn't get fired is Bill Belichick. That's it. And Mike Tomlin. Everybody else would be gone. I think people forget what this team was like when Dennis Erickson was the head coach, when Mike Nolan was the head coach. If you need a recent memory jog, when Chip Kelly or Jim, and I hate saying Jim Tom Sula's name because I loved what he was for our team before he became the head coach, and he was way out of his league. Um, it, it just like, we got to stop with the, the poo poo and Kyle. Like, yes, we can question things like, and you can push back on them say, Hey, I don't agree with that. But to be like, he's dragging this team down. Like, is he, is he really, do we remember the roster this guy freaking inherited? Did the thing that everybody wants to continuously tug at is the, the questions around, the quarterback position, right? Like why is Brian Hoyer, the guy you bring in in 17 and why are you not drafting him? And everybody's like, you passed up on Mahomes. Like let's slow the roll. Let's go back to the pre-draft evaluations. Nobody had Mahomes in that spot, right? He was like the fifth or sixth quarterback on that list, but this happens. This happens. <laughs> this is why scouts and VPs of player personnel get fired all the freaking time. Cause this right. happens. There's no, there's no surefire thing. Tony. I know this is not a direct insult uh, to me. I I see you yawning. I know it's late at night. I'm looking at the clock. Let's stop here. And I'm stopping here intentionally because the last piece that I wanted to dive into this evening was outlook for 2023, but we're hot and heavy on this draft. And I can already see you sweating about these players that you really want. And you can see my cheeks getting a little rosy (laughs) from smiling on the players I want. Can we reserve the right? for you and I to come back post-draft. We can get on pre-draft and talk about the draft, do all that. But before we determine the outlook for 2023, let's have a a full picture here. By post-draft, we'll have a little bit more information on what 
Purdy's yeah. recovery looks like. We'll know what our undrafted free agents, which we do very well with every single year, yep. are going to look like, what our 11 draft picks are going to look like. Free agency will actually really firm up post-draft with some of those other names out there. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Can we have a full 40, 2023 season outlook once we have the facts? Absolutely. Definitely down for that. I appreciate you, man. You have no idea how much I appreciate you. All right, so that's going to wrap us up for Island 49 tonight. Again, a huge thanks to the special guest, Tony, from Nothing But Niners. Again, Tony, I you, you know how I feel about you, man. I can't I can't thank you, you enough, and I appreciate yeah, you talking you, out. You're good. I, dude, I'm going to thank you for as long as you know me. I'm sorry. That's just how <laughs> I am. I, I appreciate good people, right? And I'll be the first to shit on people who are shitty people, but I appreciate good people. And I, and I appreciate you, but, um, you know, for, for those listening, just a reminder, Island 49 is part of the we're talking football family. So follow the page, hit the likes, hit the subscribes, go check out those, them boys at nothing but Niners, our East coast brethren who've been slaying it for years in this game. Um, they got a, they got a ton of personality in that group. So if you're looking for fun and a good time, I promise you they have it in droves, but again, Tony appreciate you, man. You, you guys heard it. Tony said he will come back post-draft, so I'll at the very least hold him to that. But in the short term, man, I hope you have a a blessed evening this evening, and, and we'll get together real soon, my friend. Absolutely, no doubt. All right, man.